From the front yard to the back 40, from daily commute to a weekly excursion, the places we experience are part of who we are. But how often do we really talk about these places? Shouldn't we get to know them better? Terrograms delivers a series of conversations about the fundamental and all too often invisible role that the landscape plays in our lives. An open dialogue with the people in charge of making, designing, and thinking about our constructed landscapes. Welcome to Terrograms. Hi, I'm Craig Verzone, and I'll be your host for the third delivery of Terrograms. Today I'm joined by Elias Torres in his studio in Barcelona. Elias is a Spanish architect and partner in the firm Martínez La Peña Torres Arquitectos, which was founded in 1968. He trained at the Escola Técnica Superior de Arquitectura in Barcelona. In 1993, he completed his doctorate thesis, which has recently been published in a book and is called Zenithal Light. He has dedicated much of his career to teaching at the Escola Técnica, and he's also taught and lectured in universities around the world. He has been a jury member on many project selections and awards committees, including the Aga Khan Award for Architecture. Their recent constructed project, the Granja Escalator, the big escalator in, in Toledo, Spain, is currently being exhibited at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Additionally, a photovoltaic power plant in Esplanade, which they designed for the Forum in Barcelona, earned them a special award at the 9th Venice Architectural Biennale in 2005 as well as a finalist mentioned for the 2005 Nietzsche van der Rohe Award. Their work also includes a very, very broad range of projects, including gardens of the Villa Cecilia in Barcelona, also in Barcelona housing for the Olympic Village, and the restoration of the Park Quell. Their work is regularly published in architectural monographs and journals. We are quite honored to have you here in your studio, and we welcome you, Elias Torres, to Terrograms. Muy bien. You recently came back from the opening of the Museum of Modern Art exhibit entitled On-Site, New Architecture in Spain. Tell us, how was the show? Good. It was fun. The, the curator, <laughs> Terence Riley, he yes. originally set out to look at new typologies of large-scale buildings. He started in Spain and he never left. Do you think he should have continued to develop an exhibit which focused on a new or new building typologies? Or did he have a good idea to single out contemporary Spanish architecture? Well, the, pro the, the, the exhibition, it's, it's about the last four years of uh, significant buildings in Spain, significant for Terence Bailey. And uh, there are only 15 pictures of uh, built pieces of architecture, including, let's say, landscape. And the rest, probably 37 or 38, are projects that will be finish because they are under construction this year, in 2006. And I think this is a very particular view of Terence Raley. Probably I would select other things, but I mm. think at least it gives uh, to others, and also for us, uh, a perspective completely mm. different than what normally we see. When you put things together, they give you an idea completely different when that you, you gather other things. Mm. I mean, you can you have always different you can have a lot of other opinions, but I think it's a good show. I, mean, mm -hmm. I think it's very well. Uh, the pictures are huge; they are fifteen feet wow. high by by nine feet wide, and it's very beautiful. Are they one to one scale? No, 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 no. <laughs> but they are nice. They are printed uh, through a computer and then uh, glued on the wall. It's very, it's very interesting. And do you think that uh, it must have been difficult for him to choose the projects? Do you think he has well, a good representative? Of yeah, I think Spanish so. It's, uh, because it's not a Spanish architecture. It's architecture in Spain. Mm -hmm. 
that may, it includes it includes all the big names mm -hmm. around the world, big names and uh, the, the names that everybody talks about. Did you see in looking at this group of projects of images? Did you see any common sensibilities, or were they as different as the architects well, represented? Let's say that in general, uh, everybody you now has a sensibility fill up with ideas from all, all around the world. Mm -hmm. The, the most important thing that has happened in our recent history is how much we have been able to be attached to the sites, mm. places, to know a place, and not just allow a building to land anywhere in any way. Uh, and I think this has been a, a future of the Spanish architecture. I would say intensively express uh, in the works of the last 25 years. But I think this is a very important issue. Mm -hmm. And it's the most significant thing, just to know what a place needs. Because in general, architecture, it's, it's necessary. If it's not necessary, we don't need it. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, to talk about the places and talk about the sites. And when I'm talking about architecture, it doesn't mean only buildings, I'm talking about open spaces, I'm talking about sustainability, all those things belong to architecture, mm -hmm. even gardens, even landscapes, even streets, everything is landscape or includes even architecture. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, it's very difficult to separate all those things together. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you build something, an object, a house, of a high rise, you change completely the air of a place. Mm -hmm. You change the skylight, you change the shadows, you change the uh, street level, you change everything. But, so, but some would you, argue that the buildings belong to landscape. Well, if you like it that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I don't care. I, mean, just mm -hmm. I don't think it's very important to define mm -hmm. the territories of power. Mm -hmm. Professionally, yeah. professionally speaking. In a recent discussion with Beth Figueres, she claimed that you were one of the best landscape architects she knew. Additionally, after fingering through my Dictionnaire de Paysages d'aujourd'hui, my land Dictionary of Landscape mm -hmm. Architects, I noticed that you were cited as a figure. Are you aware of your double identity as both, both, as both an architect well, and landscape architect? Let's see. Um, I went to, um, to teach at UCLA in 1977, and uh, at that time, Charles Moore was the chairman of the school. He was teaching a, a, a landscape class, a garden class, before mm -hmm. he, he wrote that book, po Poetics of Gardens. And I was really fascinated by the way he was talking about his knowledge, mm -hmm. his uh, culture, his spontaneity. He's one of the great designers I've met in my life. And landscape and gardens were things very close to his life, his culture, and his architecture. And there were no separation between all those mm -hmm. fields. When I was when I came back to Barcelona that year, that's after the semester in, in, in LA, the school was changing here and, and Oriol Boigas was the, the dean. And he asked me if I wanted to teach something special. And I said, why um, we don't teach something about landscape? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know what it is. And mm -hmm. I taught for 20 years a class on landscape in the architecture school. Mm -hmm. Was the only one. 
and there was already uh, someone teaching the history of gardens. But mine was a little uh, section about design, and we had a lot of fun because in 20 years we were not able to find out exactly what was landscape. Mm -hmm. But everything, every experience was really very, very interesting. Well, more than interesting, very fun for the students because it was in the last year and we had a very, let's say, we were inventing constantly uh, problems, fun problems. Mm -hmm. Everybody was taking the class because it was a fun class. Whoever, we were having a very good time together. Well, what that, is... In that way, you can say that the I'm a landscape. Okay, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think, I'm still thinking that I'm an architect. <laughs> And when you were inventing problems, what were your, Oh, I can give you the book. Some of the, the fun problems. Oh, fun problems was, uh, I don't know. Well, for instance, to know what means to excavate. Okay. I met uh, Michael Heiser in, 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 in L.A. because just by chance. Hmm. Uh, in the 70s, there was a lot of uh, land art people. And I've, I also wanted to know what that means, land art, in terms of What's, where is the limit of art? Where is the limit of work? This is something that is still concerning me a lot. What mm -hmm. art means and what an artist mm -hmm. is. Very difficult to find it out. Many people has the label of artist. And many people talk about the art pieces they produce. And sometimes they are far, far away. I remember something with Will White. I don't know about uh, Massimo Scolari was saying when mm -hmm. she was a student at the GSD saying... Uh, beauty from far, far from, far from beauty. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I think all the exercises were just to, uh, let's say, investigate where's, where, where is the problem that we need to solve. And we were giving them, for instance, a piece of land saying five meters below there are those ruins. It was a drawing. Then mm. you need to excavate <coughs> with slopes and ramps, then volume of air, open excavation was coming out. Then we give them, okay, just now introduce water, a water tank, then, then roads, then pavements, then green, then, in, and it came out at the end uh, a garden mm -hmm. or a piece of an open space, mm. but from nothing, from just flatness of the paper and the flat and the white of the color of the paper too it was nothing there just you were inventing just writing the the question just mm -hmm. saying dig and introduce this and it was a way of there was the world that built for instance uh, uh, a fence with the remains of uh, uh, multiplied by 10 of a scale of fragments of uh, Greek ceramics or with fragments of plastic globes, any, anything. I mean, mm -hmm. so we were just every two weeks finding something interesting. Mm -hmm. And I've been used to this. Mm -hmm. I've been used to know about water, about stones, about earth, about trees, about pavements, about uh, roads. Just, I have a collection of his lights, mm -hmm. but completely Catholic. Were you? Did you have any? Lens, was there landscape training in your university studies? No, no. I'm telling so you, learning only, as you go. only. And I think, and I know a lot of my colleagues here that they have done a lot of squares and 
parks, but no one was training. Mm -hmm. I was, for young generations, the only person to talk about these things, mm -hmm. but not, I wouldn't say in the proper way. That's what I like. It was completely uh, theradox. Mm -hmm. um, to talk about to talk about one of the one of the fundamental or sort of primary components of landscape vegetation. Um, what what type of role do you see it playing in projects that I will never do anything without a good gardener. Mm -hmm. okay. I don't want to know everything about plants. Mm -hmm. I want to know exactly a few things. You know what shadow flowers, how they grow, how they can be plant in different climates, but for sure I will always work with a good, a person who knows about plants. Mm -hmm. For that thing in Formentera I was showing you before, the plants were there, it says we need to know the ones they resist without water, and that's what we choose, but I don't need a gardener there, it's just I need a, a farmer that mm -hmm. can tell me how to cut a fig tree. And so your plants, how do you how do you see them as spatial elements? Well, in general, we are very sober with plants. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are many in the history of gardens. There are, uh, if you remember, Gertrude Jekyll in, mm -hmm. in England, working for Latians. You can see this exuberance of patchwork of thousands of things together. I think we, we live in a place where we are we don't have this the climate, the, mm -hmm. the, the the rain and in general we are more sober. And I think as much sober in our places mm -hmm. the, the vegetation is if not you just re you reproduce something mm -hmm. from other places. So what kind of role do you think vegetation has in a park or in the city? For me parks in cities are very controversial things. Mm -hmm. I can love New York and, and, and see Central Park as the the heart and the, the heart breathe the, the, the New Central Park produces the air, I would say the air to understand the city. Mm -hmm. But when you see those fragments of uh, park, sometimes in places like Barcelona where you, we have the front shore, I would say that the uh, the beaches are our best part. Mm -hmm. And we have also a mountain. And we, you, the, the best thing in Barcelona that we have in parks is are the streets with trees. Mm -hmm. Those are really the, the best parks we have. Because in summertime, the grid, the grid by Cerda has a street section. It's uh, 60 feet, 15 feet and 15 feet for sidewalks and trees and then for the and pedestrians for terraces for bars and then there you have the trees you have the plains in summertime springtime you have this vault of uh, trees going with you protecting you it has a, it pulls the, the, the air and it's so beautiful the light coming mm -hmm. through the leaves and it's only there used to be only one tree it was the plain because that was the democ it was the democracy of the design mm -hmm. of that plant mm -hmm. Now they have a lot Hundreds. of hackerandas and things. Sometimes some politicians say that they prefer to have a variety of trees. Mm -hmm. In that way, they repre trees represent a variety of ethnics and cultures mm -hmm. we have now. Well, it's up to them. But I think just one tree 
helps to understand the whole city, even if you have in the Paseo de Gracia the, the buildings by Gaudí, but two kilometers away you have factories mm -hmm. and the street still being the same. And the trees represent this atmosphere that fills the, the, the city in that in the design of how you, you, you build up a, democ a democratic mm -hmm. town. And at night, the, the gardens sometimes are too dark, and there are black spots mm -hmm. in town. Do you let the tree, or do you bring the tree into the thought process of your design? Are you ever inspired by the tree or the plant? Well, sometimes we find trees absolutely much more interesting than the buildings they, around them. Mm -hmm. uh, you should take care of this extraordinary piece. We, we must not forget that the tree, it's a completely independent shape in our formal word, mm -hmm. world, because man has been trying to domesticate it through the topiary, uh, but it's all, also a way of uh, allowing them to survive in, t in cities, mm -hmm. as if you don't cut the branches, they don't survive mm -hmm. well, the relation between the roots and the the brand and the leaves. But in general, for sure, I mean, there are places where the trees, they, they already exist. But I wouldn't say for the, uh, it depends. Well, formally speaking, you have a light fixture that you've, that you've designed where you inspired by a plant. No, 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 no. It was absolutely, it was coming, it was called uh, lamp, lunar lamp, mm -hmm. moon lamp, or moon's lamp, because it has huge pieces of uh, four feet circles of, of steel that they reflect the light from a light fixture underneath. But it comes from the design of Alvaralto lamps mm -hmm. in, in, in filming. Mm -hmm. if, they, if it looks like a tree, better. <laughs> <laughs> or a big flower. Or a big flower. But I don't think this is... I don't, I'm, I don't like... To use the metaphors to explain mm -hmm. the word, I think sometimes our world of uh, it's full of words or sentences that are trying to introduce poetry mm -hmm. where sometimes there is not. Mm -hmm. If you evoke the poetry by words, doesn't mean that that thing you will find in the, <laughs> the work itself. How do you approach designing a piece of furniture that repeats itself throughout? throughout a very large city? Well, it's very confusing sometimes because we designed the, the, the bus stops of Barcelona 20 years ago. It's still here. And we didn't design anything similar before. But you can see it. It's like it's like to stay underneath the table. Are they still working? Yeah. Well, they are the shippers that the company produces and they sell <laughs> all over the world. They were now in Miami. I don't know what they have done at the end because they were changing some things that we didn't control. But the first thing we, it happens to us when we saw the, the, the three first ones located in, in, in the street, it was to be scared about to see 600 or 1,000 mm -hmm. all around the... Now you don't see them anymore. Mm -hmm. not, not even people who never noticed because it's very light and very thin, but even us. Mm -hmm. I don't know if... I don't. I don't see them, I mean, but the first time you are very scared about uh, saying, well, it's something that changes completely mm -hmm. the landscape. Mm -hmm. We have too many things on the streets. That's the first thing. We have too much signs, 
too many signs, too many ads, too many... If you take a picture of Barcelona in 1920s, 1915, you will see a completely empty city. Just only a few light fixtures and that's all. Now it's full of garbage. and every, Everybody wants to have something here. Uh, it's to make people more civilized, for instance. There, we are less civilized than we used to be. Anyway, go ahead. Did you, when you saw the three prototypes, yeah. and did you make any changes after that, or did no? They the were end, already finished. Uh, it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> but we we saw the no no the, the prototypes were were seen many times before. But it, it's a very interesting thing just to design uh, furniture pieces for. What other urban design? What other uh, types of furniture have oh, you worked on? Oh, we have done. Uh, I mean, in a way, caves, you, we you, have done huge spots for. You make trees. furniture in all of your projects. Yeah, you're always inventing new pieces. Yeah. Benches, we like it, <laughs> and we need it. It's not something that comes because we want to do this mm -hmm. just because there is. It's because we have a problem and we need you to found solve a it. Problem. No, we find a problem, but we need to solve the pro a specific problem, and sometimes we don't want to use some other people's work and because we want to introduce, let's say, in the family, uh, the, the same family elements mm -hmm. to uh, the whole uh, space. We're mm -hmm. talking about you know, open spaces, squares. And sometimes the problem is a little bit different and needs to be... In general, a bench is similar, or a fountain is the same, but... You want to have a kind of familiarity between the, the elements. What I was showing you before about Seville, the square that we are restoring or renovating, all the elements will belong to the mm -hmm. same kind of uh, approach. Where does the cohesion of the space end? At the outer physical limits? Or should that cohesion spread throughout parts of the village or the well, city? Well, it's when you work in, in a square, Difficult to know where is the limit. Mm -hmm. You you see across streets that they don't belong to the territory you you are working with. That means that it's difficult to know where is the limit. Do you have you clients work. reminding you where the limit is or should be? Oh, no, for sure we have a perfect, precise limit mm -hmm. of our territory. But what I'm saying is that the approach mm -hmm. it's far away from the precise territory or the limits of your project. And this is very difficult to hold. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you should consider constantly. What I was showing before about this new stairs or a way to arrive to this cathedral next to the Ebro River. I mean, it's not only the space where you need to work. It's more how the even the city will understand that space or how you will approach to that space. I mean, the limits are far away from your uh, specific area of the project. Mm. Presently, landscape architecture is recognized realm of study in Spain through... You're going to make trouble now. Through, um, through a couple of programs in the university. However, it's not a licensed profession, as it is in other countries in Europe and also in many states in the United States. Well, I told you before about the limits... Sometimes there are limits, uh, professional limits. I don't think this is good because it's impossible to say if the facade of a building ends at that moment, the landscape architect. Are there limits in architecture? We don't have it. But you have a licensing. 
Yeah, but I can uh, I can do anything. I can go from I can design a bridge too. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't need really we will need an engineer to help us. Or, but I we're just competing for a bridge in in Zaragoza that have a colleague Juan. And I don't see uh, I'm talking personally. Mm-hmm. I ended up you were asking me that question about teaching. I ended up to teach this little landscape amusement class uh, in Barcelona because they, they started a program mm-hmm. on landscape. Well, for the I said, no, this mm-hmm. is not what I want. They were reducing, and they are still, I think, reducing the, um, the level. The level. They are in, uh, introducing so many things, but probably in more traditional, in traditional schools in other countries are they belong to the criterion and to the technology. Here it's a completely invention. I think it will be easier. Invention and I don't think it's they repeat the same things that belongs to other cultures. Mm-hmm. And I think here in Spain we have a way of learning from architecture. Uh, let's say becoming a little bit more uh, specific about landscape problems, you don't need to repeat the same thing in other places because you have already a base in the the school of architecture to allow you to to get into the problems of designing open spaces, gardens, parks, anything that Mm -hmm. can be considered the territory of a landscape architecture. But I think, uh, I'm not sure about I don't feel very very comfortable. Do the programs overlap here in Barcelona? No, it's a completely separate thing. Well, separate means you need to be an architect to do the mm-hmm. training. But I think it could be a little bit more uh, challenging. The, the programs. The programs mm-hmm. in landscape. Yeah. You talked about landscape architecture. Mm-hmm. Why you don't take the word architecture out in general in, in most of the schools? Mm-hmm. Why do you keep architecture? Means if you have architecture as a, an important concept of those two words, landscape and mm-hmm. architecture, I think architecture should be the most important support for someone who wants to be. So how would an, how would a program how would um, typical landscape architecture program improve itself if it were to remain focused in studies of the landscape? That would be uh, let's. Let's forget now the question. I don't know how to do it, but I know a little bit what I don't think should be done. I think we'll be not going to discuss now okay. because it needs to be more deep. But I would say that no one of us that we had been dealing with projects or that, that what we consider part of the landscape territory was trained at all, uh, at all. Nothing on what is normally taught in the school mm-hmm. of, of landscape. Mm-hmm. Means we were able, with our knowledge, that it means the what we receive, we were able to deal with any possible problem that is related with architecture. It can be the void, it can be the fill, uh, what is filled, what's what's surrounded, what's inside, what's outside, what's what means color, what means climate, what means sustainability, 
when I was a kid, everything was, I was living in a very precise, sustainable family in a mm. town. Nothing, there were no remains, everything was going to the proper way. Nothing, there were no remains. That's what sustainability means, mm. right? Mm. And now it's, it has become a very new philosophy that it, it's full of sometimes of a very ironic situations and very pretentious situations too. You've been teaching for as long as you've been practicing? Yeah, the, day after, the year after I finished my studies, I started teaching. It's and fun. What do you enjoy about the two, the two well, careers? Or the I, two I can tell you, the only days that my schedule is fixed is the days where I have a class. Mm -hmm. the, day, the other days it's just to, like to be a, a fireman mm -hmm. and more and more is nothing predictable. While teaching, it's always it's very rich. You cannot say stupid things to clever kids, because in general, students are very. They only work because studying is working. And I think it's a work where they are concentrated. While us, we have other things to do. And they are just concentrated on this thing. They are very, very. They pay a lot of attention to what is said. I mean, in general, they are better students and better professors. All the students know when they have a good professor or not. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that means it's very demanding. You should be very clear about the words you use. Students know immediately who you are by what you you talk about. They cannot change the professor sometimes, because even with a revolutionary semester, but they know who's teaching and mm -hmm. what, and the sincerity, and if you are honest, mm -hmm. and if what you say it's interesting or not. Are there a lot of good teachers out there? Well, I used to have. I, I think I learned a lot also from the bad teachers, too. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a variety, you know, like of all, all the schools. In general, Barcelona, the School of Barcelona has been filled up for, with professionals that I think is very good. It's difficult to teach architecture you, if you haven't done it. Mm -hmm. Do you think teachers should be practicing? In a way, mm -hmm. yeah. And how do the two... It's the best professor. Hmm. How do the two... How does teaching affect your well, practice? Well, for sure it affects because... As much as you need to clarify yourself in front of others, you need to. Uh, it's a way of purification of <laughs> yourself too. Sometimes it's very tiring, but sometimes it's fun. Many times it's fun. I think. If not, I will quit. Is there anything that teaching should focus on more now? Uh, the the most important thing is to know what the students should learn mm -hmm. every year, every semester, and if. At the end, they have it. This is difficult to know, but in general, sometimes students take a long time to know what they have learned. But at least you should give them basic, significant things to uh, walk up mm -hmm. the stair 
to to feel secure to feel secure mm -hmm. feel secure with the most important thing to teach that it's has to have the doubt the hesitation as the main element to go next to you if you don't hesitate uh, there is no way to go for ahead mm -hmm. so you there is nothing sure knowledge is just a way of it helps but it's what you find new it's important mm -hmm. this is the way it, every moment it's a representation of our world and you need to transform in a way let's say it in a way very composite with very too much important but if you want to transform the world you need to know it mm -hmm. and to understand it how has the computer affected the way you well, teach it affects, in a way the students? It affects, uh, at least because I'm, I, I, I'm using mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm too, too, I'm too old for this. But I, I think hand-drawing, it's, it's, uh, it's full of mistakes, nuances that you can always fill up. A drawing with layers and layers of things top sometimes is talking more this that one of the drawings in the computer that even if it's on the process of designing something just at the beginning it looks finished too clean untouchable it's like uh, you know those air controllers mm -hmm. and there's no way to be there just you put your finger on top of the screen and nothing happens you need to print it again and draw again I think it's a tool but it's wonderful just to print things to change things on top but not pretty mm -hmm. and in the office how do you incorporate everybody uses mm -hmm. besides but everybody is able to needs to understand how to draw mm -hmm. and for instance in the school i i think even if i'm teaching now a thesis project and i never just for the, the the final presentation but for the rest of the process it's just handmade this is very important. How many are you in your office? 15, 14, sometimes 13. And you have a partner? Oh, yeah. What's your relationship with know. your partner? <laughs> How do you structure ask your... Him, <laughs> ask him, ask him. And he will answer the same question. We don't know. Do your, are your roles very uh, similar? Yeah, or? Uh, roles of fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Similar. I, I, both of us do everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. There is no separation. How did you meet? The school. The, yeah. Students. And we were students in the same class. And were you partners from the very beginning? Well, we were doing some work together right at the beginning, but our uh, generation was was very, let's say, uh, our the, our classmates. They have been friends for mm -hmm. since then. I mean. I don't know. Our best friends are our class colleagues. At, at the beginning of a project, do you both sit down and uh, generate, or is it know. one or the other? I don't know. We are stuff. we have very different characters. I like to change constantly. <laughs> he likes less just because he feels that things could be are also. I will never finish. We'll keep going forever. Right. But I think. It's good to have a, a date. So. <laughs> Are there different things that drive your process? 
like drive your creative process? I don't know. Well, I don't know what's to be creative. It's very difficult to define. I think intuition is very important, but I don't know how to define it either. It's a mix of knowledge, instinct, and it's difficult to know what mm -hmm. that thing means. Instinct is very deep, mm -hmm. but how you define it? Can you you can help me? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> then. So. I'm just asking the question. Yeah, I know, but I can. I you can help me to answer it. Do you feel that you have a responsibility to innovate or come up with something new? Well, it's the only way to survive. To feel a little bit new every day when you walk up. But the most important thing is to have the sense that that's right. You wake up to come to the office or to the street to constantly to be active and thinking. It means there is no way to stop. I think. Innovation is on our world, means not now, it's been always. Means we need to transform things that were not there before into something that will happen, so be there. Means this is our job. Means uh, there is always a stimulation, there is something there provocative outside. Means mm -hmm. you don't need to be provocative yourself, it depends on one's character, but in general, you know, I think it's, you should be awake, very awake. Mm -hmm. If you sleep a little bit, then you low down, you, you lay back and you just, it's finished. You should be very, very intensively with your, own, your eyes open and your mind open to be able to absorb. It's not the same way that you absorb when you are a student and when you are already a professional that has been working like us for 47, 48 years. But I think we still have it. I have this attitude. I'm this, very curious. Is this one of the reasons you you made your doctorate thesis? No, no, that was a very slow thing. I started 16 years before and until some friends said, well, you should finish it. This has been too much. We are tired to hear about your PhD thesis. Just finish it. That's why I finished it. And you finally finished it, and you yeah, it was a big party. A no, the book came later. That's the <laughs> the book came uh, the twelve years later, mm -hmm. just because someone were interested to publish it. Mm -hmm. Could you describe the project? Oh, it's about skylights. It's about how uh, the light from above. Uh, introduces a completely different way of understanding architecture, or at least to see it, or to use it, to stay in you know, inside. This is an indoor space. In general, mm -hmm. we are talking about indoor spaces. But sometimes even a, a cane network on top of a pergola, it's also a production of skylight, because mm -hmm. you transform completely mm -hmm. the, the outdoor light into shadows. Mm -hmm. So there's a relationship between the your Look doctorate at, thesis and, for instance, the photovoltaic pergola. That oh well, this is just a consequence because the photovoltaic cell already has the pieces. They have already fragments of space. That They're collecting them. the light. They collect themselves. the light themselves, mm -hmm. but also they allow to cross the sun in between two millimeters mm -hmm. between the pieces. But uh, that book, it's about. It, first building we can 
remember is the pantheon. Mm -hmm. It's like a cistern of life, but also you can see the sky. Mm -hmm. You can you can see the snow draw when it snows dropping into the temple or. But that will be the most significant. Well, the most clear. But you, we have clear stores. We have the the, the huge buildings of, uh, of factories that they they, are, they don't allow you to have light in the middle of these huge surfaces, and you need to bring light from a roof. This is also part of the small. I, the book is funny because it has one thousand seven hundred pictures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a collection of slides. Mm -hmm. There are little. It's, you can go through and from. Mm, How long have you been collecting this one? Well, nine years. Mm -hmm. And well, we select them from four thousand, five thousand. I don't know. And they belong to different periods of history, and they are mixed up completely. There mm -hmm. is no uh, historical criterion. It's a, a horizontal cut that you can bring everything mm -hmm. from down. From below to above, and it's very. Was I the good time. was the photovoltaic um, pergola included in the book, or did this? No, it was because it was the last <laughs> thing we put there. <laughs> <laughs> For this project, did you? It seems like a very complex project. The photovoltaic panel and then the power plant below. Was there a lot of research you needed to do to understand no. the no. the pieces no. at all? We had a very good engineer in photovoltaic. Mm -hmm. The water treatment plant underneath is another world. We we need to talk a lot about how to to establish relations, physical relations between the new things and the existing things. But for the photovoltaic, we were very well mm -hmm. protected. And it was just it's a machine that you need to introduce there. Mm -hmm. It is located. Mm -hmm. You at least you were we were able to design the shape, or at least the surface. That's all. The problem of the photovoltaic was not our problem. Mm -hmm. It was already a question that someone, the city, was asking to introduce mm -hmm. in the in the big open space. Do you see these photovoltaics as important elements for cities well, in general? Uh, here we have a load that's coming up, where every single building will have uh, to introduce photovoltaic cells or solar panels to balance the retroactively. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I haven't seen yeah. the law. It's coming. <laughs> no, but it's coming because at least it will help to save some energy. But still, it's being very expensive. Mm -hmm. Do you think the building should actively challenge the idea of renewable energies in their program? Well, there is no way to. This has been all over the history of architecture. Mm -hmm. No one building was able to survive without using the proper materials, the proper mm -hmm. ventilation, the proper uh, surface of So we holes. need to reverse back to we, 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 we belong to something that the world, it's mm -hmm. been here forever. And this is no, not a new uh, religion. Do you see that younger architects are um, have a harder time learning these methods? Well, in a way, in a way when you've been living like our generations in a very sober economical uh, communities when there was no money that was a poor country after the civil war a disaster we were surviving with less with very few things and as when you um, leave
beef with I think mm, we can say this um, the shortage of uh, when you have abundance sometimes you drop into banality mm -hmm. okay you have too much when you have very few things you need to invent the way of survive and that's the way how probably talent comes out but you need to be more talented to survive with less than with a lot mm -hmm. and I think this is I don't know if young generations are really trained with this sober uh, let's say life because everybody has we have too much mm -hmm. <laughs> we have too many things mm -hmm. we can survive with less back to the forum I've heard some criticize the forum as being large scale, no. um, yeah, inhuman. Would you agree? Can or? you tell me what human means? Inhuman. In, no, what uh, the opposite? What human means? What the human scale is? Can you tell me what it is? Is that a table? It's 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 New York in human because it has high rises of three hundred floors. I don't know what, what inhuman means. What type of role do you see this? The, no, I'm this saying, is it safe or not? That, that will be something else. Mm -hmm. What is safe in the city? Can you tell me? Cities were planned to be safe. Mm -hmm. They were collecting people, put them inside of walls and protecting them. That inside then, those walls then, all the problems start to happen that we're still having in the city. That inhuman, I don't know what that means. And for sure it's different the size of a street of the old city neighborhoods of the medieval age times than the size of it of a 19th century street of the third agreed would you say the square is a new typology in the city well for sure it well it's another kind of a space right but in human if i go there by myself i feel human how does the space get used today today i don't know <laughs> yesterday <laughs> but two three weeks ago there were three two circuses mm. But there are sometimes the bicycle rides. I don't know. I think the places should remain and, and, and be able to expect unexpected things. Mm -hmm. So you see it as a place that will evolve? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. It could be abandoned for years. But sometimes it could be completely taken or crowded or just conquered by the city, as I was telling before. I don't know. I don't think it's a, at least it's a space that's easy to control. It's very easy to see everybody from only one point of view. Which point is that? I don't know. Just come up to the, <laughs> to the, to the top of a building or a top of one of the, of the photovoltaic cells and you will be able to, but even on the ground floor. And if you need, if you know how to swim, you can escape from <laughs> Okay, final question. What kind of advice do you give your graduating students? I don't know, just to be good people, <laughs> good persons, <laughs> to be honest and, and have a very good at attitude towards life and, and the other people. This is a human condition. This is mm -hmm. very important to be able to know that we are able to transform things and means that we can do a lot of mistakes and a lot of bad things too. 95 or 99% of what's around us, it's 
not good. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that about how much people learn in the school. Where are the models, the top things they, they learn from? How much, at the end, people goes away from this top level of things that they have been trained with? This is, you need to short that distance, not to enlarge it. Mm-hmm. And I think people should be very concerned about making, working very hard, have fun, and be enthusiastic about uh, that to have problems that's normal their life and solve them in a good way mm-hmm. as a professional. That's great. Thank you. Really fantastic. Elias, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really wonderful to have you here on our sort of third d- dispatch of Terragrand. Being comfortable. <laughs> it was in my office, my shares my drawings around thanks with people thanks so much thanks so much for your time to find out more about teragrams and sign up for our next deliveries please visit our website at www.teragrams.com or subscribe to us using itunes teragrams is made possible with the help of the school of architecture and the robertson digital media lab at the university of virginia Find out more about their programs at www.virginia.edu. And finally, special thanks to the books for their intro and closing music. You can expose yourself more to the books at www.thebooksmusic.com. I'm Craig Brazone, and this concludes the third delivery of Terragrams. <laughs>